Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Comedy Arcade, part friendly panel show, part vicious competition, where contestants fight with their best anecdotes on mystery topics generated through a trusty bingo ball. I'm Vince Layton, host of the show, spirit of the bingo balls, and games master. Points will be awarded for originality, amusement value, and my general caprice and mood on the day. The contestant with the most points at the end of the game wins, but their opponents will be granted a few cheat codes along the way just to keep it interesting. Okay, um, we are recording. Welcome to the Comedy Arcade. Um, we have three brilliant players. It is a rock legends music special today with people that I've wanted to go on for ages. They're all looking a bit puzzled as to how they've all got there, which is quite humble and quite sweet. So we will start with introducing Sean Smith from one of my favourite, favourite bands from... Oh, uh, you like Your new bands are all right, but the blackout was bloody good. It's... <laughs> <laughs> that, that does seem to be the general consensus across the board. <laughs> Like everybody's like, oh, the new bands, yes, all right, yeah, but uh, I love the old one, and I'm like, oh, fuck. You think <laughs> it was it was about being in the right place at the right time as well, and that sort of yeah, segments music scene. So, and now a podcaster, his podcast happening yes. as the, the people that I would like to interview if I knew enough about music, basically. But I have to just do a comedy well, podcast. So. Funnily enough, I don't know that much about music, and I still get to interview him. What you need to do is you get a co-host who does all of the research and then you just come on and talk bollocks like I do. Ah, It's genius. I need a co-host. Are you free? (laughs) Yeah, but I can't do any of the work. I don't know how to do it. So me and you would just be talking bollocks and we need a third to help to sort it out. So, um, But thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. Um, We've got the man, the the legend, the journalist, writer, comedian, Ian Stone. How are you? Yeah. Fine. I'm all right. Journalist? When did I become a journalist? Well, you're a broadcaster. I kind of, I'm a bit old school. I consider anybody who's in the news in any way to be a journalist. Right. Well, thank you then. I suppose I have done a bit of that in in the past. So thank you. There are some notable exceptions. (laughs) But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no journalistic training. But I'll tell you, what, I've got a lot of opinions, though. So hopefully that will help. Ah, well, there we go. You're very much the new school of journalism. So that's fine. <laughs> and again, rock legend, comedian, again, author. You've all got so much going on. This isn't fair. Uh, the irony is I actually am a journalist. So I, I kind of feel like you may have got your cue cards mixed up. Well, no, but you, I, I talk about the things that I know you for. And you wrote the Terry Pratchett book, which is incredible. 
I wrote a Terry Pratchett book, yes. and not like not like a Terry Pratchett book, like one of his books. I wrote a book. Yeah, he wrote Going Postal. He ghost wrote Going Postal. Terry Pratchett mo- wrote most of his books. I understand. I wrote a book about Terry Pratchett. Right. Yes. There we go. That I've read. That is the only book about Terry Pratchett that I've read, not by Terry Pratchett. So there we go. All right, let's go. I just really like doing this to collect my thoughts. Okay. Um, right. It is teenage behaviour. What were you guys like as teenagers? I mean, I can imagine, but let's see if I'm right. Uh, you, you can absolutely imagine what I was like as a teenager because you know me as I am now, which is exactly the same. Uh, I've even regrown over lockdown. I've even regrown my teenage haircut. Uh, I've not had a ponytail since I was 19, but I've got one again now. Like uh, lockdown has given me back the long hair that I treasured in my youth when people used to shout umbop at me in the street because I looked like the guitarist from Hanson, which isn't even the coolest member of Hanson. <laughs> Who is the coolest I, member of Hanson in I your just opinion? About, what is the cool member of Hanson? Well, the, uh, yeah, well, the kid was pretty good. Um, I want to say Zach. One. Zach? Oh, so, oh, I mean, oh. Zach? It was Zach, Isaac and Taylor. We all know. Yeah, don't pretend. Like, <laughs> well, I, well, they were all children as far as I could see. Yeah, but that's... yeah, the, the guitarist was the older one and was basically, you had the young, cute one. You had the middle one who people thought was a girl and actually was quite prettier. Then you had the older one who no one really liked. Which one did you look like? Apparently I looked like the older one. Right, okay. I've been told I look like a Jewish version of Krista Berg. I don't see it myself. <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like, to be honest with you. But you. me, I guess. We're all focusing on the webcam on the eyebrows now. Yeah. But no, it's not quite there. I, there is a certain Krista Burness. There is a little bit. You I look like someone, tiny... though, don't we? Isn't that the case? Yeah. But... Yeah. I look. A... Never who you want like either. Never well, flattering. Never no. flattering. No. You say that I was at the Glee Club once in Birmingham doing a gig, and somebody came up to me and went, "Do you know who you look like?" Tom Cruise. <laughs> Take that look off your face, Vix. And um, yeah, it was a moment. Oh, I can you. see that. I yeah. can see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a bit of nose thing going on, but I I think it's a stretch. To be I honest. mean, I haven't got my glasses on. but yeah. uh... Even with your glasses, it won't make a huge amount of difference. <laughs> then she says, then no, she says, this is my first night out since my husband died. Right, he fell down the stairs, he, and I, he, he said his eye. She said his eyesight wasn't very good, and he fell down the stairs. And I said, "Well, your eyesight isn't all that good if you think I look like Tom Cruise." <laughs> yeah, you might want to get a rail or a stunner. <laughs> yeah, do you know what she said then? She then she goes then she goes. Uh, uh, do you know what my favourite restaurant in Birmingham is? Little Chef. And we went, "Why?" And she went, <laughs> She went, because when you get the food on the plate in front of you, it looks exactly like the food on the photo. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is not about teenage behaviour, but I'm just, <laughs> by the way. Do you remember that week on Facebook where there was like once once somebody decided there was going to be a put, change your profile picture to the person that you look like week? And what we learned is that everyone has a massively high opinion of how attractive they are. I know. Well, for mine, every time someone says, oh, you know, name the celebrity you look like, I just go with Sonia of Office Tenders. Because <laughs> it seems we've got this big jaw thing together and we look uh, surprisingly not... similar. I think I'm a little bit hairier than I though. It's not miles out, is it? I mean, I sort of see what you mean. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you're not, so you don't look like Sonia from East Enders. Uh, too late. Yeah. Yeah. We, we politely nodded to Christenberg and then you went and did that. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There is a bit of Sonia going on. I wouldn't. I wouldn't shout it at <laughs> yeah. you in the street. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair enough. 
Anyone. Since I grew my hair, since I grew my hair again, people keep telling me I look like Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, which I cannot abide. Yeah, you, you know do look. You look. With yeah. that. I can see that. Yeah. Sorry. This is turning yeah, quite going... spiteful. Right? Yeah, I'm going for. I'm going for Leah now, Mark. You do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought you were actually Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. I'm surprised <laughs> you had like records and music. I thought it'd be food knocking about behind you. Yeah, apparently all of his rooms are full of full food. Of food. He doesn't own anything else. He just lives in one river cottage. Is just one giant Massive larder. fridge. Yeah, as I've heard that. <laughs> you know what I did when I was a teenager? Can I? What's the thing? I, you know, it doesn't matter about the rules. Fuck it. I um, I was um, um, my, I, when I was nineteen, I was going to a party. I was walking down the road, and my mate Simon pulled up in this car and the party was about half a mile up the road. And I said, can I have a lift? And he went, no, no, the car's full, but I'll give you a lift on the bonnet. Right. Is what he said. Now, you know, when you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm 58 now. And obviously if somebody says to me, do you want to lift on a car bonnet? I go, no, no, I'd rather stay. You're right. Yeah. I was 19. You know, when you're 19, you do stupid shit. I went, yeah, yeah, go on then. And I got on the bonnet and he took off at what felt like about hundred miles an hour, but it was fast anyway. And obviously I shit myself. And, and so I turned, I sort of laid on my front and I was holding onto the windscreen wipers and he turned them on. So I was, you know, trying to, and he's going, get down, get down. I can't see the road, right? Because he was quite a careful driver. And then, and then we just sort of screeched to a halt and I rolled off. I mean, I could have died. I could, I could have died, really. Uh, Did it look cool though, do you think? Like James Bondish no. or? No. If I would have, if I'd have jumped up and chased after someone, yes. But I just, I went, what the fuck are you doing, you lunatic? Slow down! I wasn't what? happy. What did you think would happen, though? I thought I'd have a gentle just... ride to the party, and he just dropped me off like a good person. Were you was. drunk at no, the time? I, I, I have no idea. I just, the point is, you make stupid decisions when you're a teenager, right? Yeah. You're lucky he didn't pop the bonnet and just catapult you across the road. Eject the seat yeah. off. <laughs> Yeah, I like the idea of passers of passers by going, "Oh, look, there's Tom Cruise." It's uh, Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible. <laughs> it must be. Well, he does do and stunts, <laughs> doesn't yeah. he? He, he does must be. Stunts. Stunts. Unbelievable. They must be filming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I heard in his last film, he tied himself to the side of a jumbo jet. So this just stands to reason, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Why would he not just drive drive at sixty miles an hour down a road in Edgware just to go to a party in a Triumph Herald? <laughs> <laughs> It sounds very glamorous. So Sean, yeah. what were you like as a teenager? <laughs> um, nothing much has changed, really. It's, I think what happened was, like, I was in Merthyr College doing a media studies course, as every drop, every utter idiot does. Um, and I started doing that. And then my band, um, surprisingly, did quite well. And I never had to grow up in that period. So, like, I was in the band for 13 years. So, like, I'm 37 now. But, yeah, I've still got a child's mullet that I've been growing since COVID started last March, I said, I'm going to grow a mullet and see how long this COVID lasts. And so, yeah, I've never really grown up. So I've always been a bit of a bit of a chopsy idiot, I guess. Um, but yeah, stories wise. Oh, I got drunk for the first time when I was 15. Um, I drank three litres of white lightning, as you do. Classic. Um, just sitting there going, oh, this is lovely. So I drank three litres of white lightning. I then stood up. And everything went boom. And um, I went to a house party. I cried in front of all my cool friends. I smashed a pint glass over my head. I then cried for my mother. I then walked home, right? It was still light. I got home and my mother said, oh, do you want any food? And I said, yeah, can I have egg and milk? 
She made me egg and chips, and then I passed out in the egg. True story. <laughs> Have you ever heard the end of that from anyone involved? Well, funny thing is, I blamed everybody um, who I was with. Like, I, I made out, like, they bullied me into drinking. Um, and uh, so I, I wasn't allowed to speak to them again, which is lucky. Because um, they probably would have battered me for blaming them all. But, um, yeah. Do they still get dirty looks from your mum? Because I've got a friend who won't <laughs> go near my mum. Yeah. Because when, well, when I was 15, I went on my first ever date. Like, I went on a date when I was 15. And um, and what I learned, right, is you don't take your better looking friend on a date. Because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, bring my friend. You bring your friend. We'll have a double date down the Lord Nelson in Old Shilton, which is obviously the way you go for, for dates. Um, and her friend didn't turn up. So I turned up with my mate, Ben, who was incredibly good looking. Um, he's lost all his hair now, so we can all be smug about that. But, uh, and, yeah. and have a guess what happened. Like, it was re- it was really awkward because when she turned up at my house, like my mum was putting my hair in a ponytail for me because I couldn't do it on my own yet. And, and it just went downhill from there. But he ended up getting off with her. I walked home pissed. 15 from the pub smashing like fences on my way home like sobbing actually sobbing because the first ever day i'd gone i'd gone on this girl had got off with my best friend and ever since then my mum will not go near my friend ben. <laughs> <laughs> this is 22 years later and he still avoids her in the street it's brilliant i mean yeah. he did you wrong there to be honest i'm with your mum on still this friends with him i don't know why but no. i'm still he, he, it wasn't even the first, the last girlfriend he nicked off me, and I'm still friends with him. Is he getting worse looking as he gets older, though? That was... Yes, he is. Is that why you're really sticking around? When you Just wait. Date, the... When you double date when you're 65 or something, the, the boot will be on the other foot, won't it? <laughs> You'll be cleaning up. <laughs> Mark, is he married? He is married. He's got two beautiful children, and recently became a hometown hero when he jumped into a river and saved a drowning child. Oh, so, well, annoyingly, I think. I think he Mark, secured his legacy. I think Mark, you should try your very, very best to take his wife from him. I think, and his children, and his children, <laughs> and his children. Yeah, get them to yeah, get his children to call you dad in front of him. I'm and your then real you dad. You win. Yeah. And then yeah. generously win, offer him a polygamous arrangement so he can join you and your already no. beautiful wife with another wife, and I'm... just enjoy enjoy his decline this this thank, you for, this is... thank you for representing my actual wife in this conversation oh yeah obviously <laughs> i'm glad you're on her side <laughs> hang on aren't you already married i've seen a flaw in this plan yes that, that's thank, thank you she'll appreciate just that. reminding you you know in, stay, in case you wanted to start a harem <laughs> or in case your wife wanted to start a harem you know i thought about it but she will she will not wear the trousers has your wife ever met Ben? No. Keep him away. No. Keep him away. <laughs> if we've learned anything, Mark, keep him away. Good the advice. Last one did. That's good advice, I think. Just... Yeah, the last one did. She told me, oh, he's really attractive, isn't he? I... No! No! <laughs> <laughs> Not again! Not again! <laughs> well, I think this episode's going to be called Fuck You, Ben. Uh, we've got the title already. <laughs> And that was teenage trauma category. Now we'll move on. Oh. I think more uplifted, perhaps. Oh, can I just add to my story that I didn't drink then until I was 28. Wow. 13 years without booze. Yeah. yeah. But you had a heroin so, habit, though, didn't you? 
<laughs> yeah, I was a big fan of the Sky. Yeah, obviously, yeah, uh, yeah. you can't come from South Wales and not be um, <laughs> and not be interested in the Sky. Sure. Like, it's very the only way. It's the only way to endure the weather, right? Essentially, yeah, it's the cr- yeah, it's the country and cornflakes of drugs. It's very, very Moorish, and it gets you through a long day. Yeah. Um, Wait a minute. So, hang on. You didn't drink for thirteen years. How long of that were you were you in a professional band for? Um, so probably. So I did this straight edge thing. So for anybody that doesn't oh, know, um, yeah. yeah, there were bands in the South Wales scene who were straight edge, and because I hadn't drunk for a while, What's straight I was just edge. Like, oh, What's that? It's basically you're what drink a drug, you drink a drug free. Um, it's it's kind of like veganism for not taking drugs and drinking, but the, a lot of and straight veganism edge, as well. In some cases, yeah, yeah, that's true, and like. Um, uh, non-casual sex and so basically it's about trying to not harm or poison or injure your body in any way it's trying but, to not have any of the fun that you would normally have in a band correct yeah yeah correct you picked um, a bad so, time to be straight edge there yeah. <laughs> like yeah, well, I, I a lot of opportunity like. I, I broke it in i broke edge that's what the the, the term is um i broke that in japan Nice. When my friend said, do you want a drink? And I said, I'll have a, I'll have a can of Coke. And he was like, use a Bailey's. And I was like, okay. <laughs> have a proper drink. Yeah. Does it taste like sweets? He was like, very much so. I was like, I'm in. So I drank three of them. <laughs> and then was fortunate enough to somehow make a friend, and uh, a, a Japanese lady friend. And um, in the morning, I woke up and thought, unbelievable. Bailey's must make me speak Japanese because I can't get over this. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's that's the end of that story. Sorry see, about that. So you went from um, cider to Bailey's. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thirteen wow. year gap. Thirteen year gap. Yeah. Yeah. White. White. Yeah. White cider. White lightning. The worst of all of the alcohols to the cream-filled um, ladies' drink, Bailey's. Um, I mean, it's very. Tasty. Did you stick it with it, like, it? Oh, yeah. or was that oh, your I, drink I, I, for I'm a while? <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not against the Baileys now and again. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of stopped now, though. I've kind of stopped again now drinking for no reason, really. Just, I seem to be getting a little bit fatter when I was chugging down cans on my own. So I, I decided to pack it in. Yeah, that happens. Because I, I can't imagine being in a band and not drinking. Because like, I, I, my mate Andrew, who I think uh, Ian definitely knows. I don't know if you know Andrew O'Neill. Anyway. Uh, who, yeah, who um, is also is not straight edge by any means, yeah. although he is militantly vegan in that he involves a gun where he can. But like uh, we went on, yeah. we were in a we we're in a band together, and last time we were on tour in the US, we we're on tour in America. We do that. That's the same oh, thing cool. we do. Yeah. We go on tour. Uh, uh, um, but we were we were on tour, on, on tour in the US, and we, we were playing in New York. And Andrew decided that he was going to have three months off drinking, just just because, just to, just to prove he could. And that three months included a American tour. And the Glastonbury and the Edinburgh Fringe, oh, no. right? Which seems like either a really good idea or a really bad one. But um, the saddest thing I think I've ever heard, and this is why I don't think I, I could go on tour without drinking, is we played in we played in New York. We had a great show. It was really fun. We went out afterwards, obviously, and like, a bunch of us ended up in this cocktail bar with these people we were staying with, and everyone's drinking, and everyone's having a nice time. Andrew isn't drinking we get to two o'clock in the morning everyone's still hammering the cocktails we're all like we played new york isn't it brilliant we had a great time andrew disappears i didn't no one sees him for like half an hour but no one really notices turns out he went and sat in the toilet and read his book (laughs) (laughs) 
Rock and roll. Wow. I'm sure it was a good book, but um, <laughs> I on him. Just go home. Just go back to the hotel. Like, he was reading Tess of the Durbervilles as well, it's a which good is... Read. Um, you, can, can I tell my quick Andrew O'Neill story? Um, well, so, it depends um, what it is. So my, my band, The Blackout, were playing um, The Garage in Highbury. Um, venue. I've done a gig there. It's a really good, it was a really good venue. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, the day before, yeah, so the day before, we were in London, and um, we found out Richard Herring was um, playing in a pub, and Andrew O'Neill was uh, main support, I think, or um, whatever it was. And Andrew went up on stage, and did a whole bit about how London... Bear in mind, I'll tell you what, it was the 6th of July, 2005, right? Andrew went on stage and did a whole section about how London was on amber alert and there would never, ever be a terrorist attack in London. We then <laughs> got in our van, drove up to Highbury, where we slept in the van overnight, woke up in the morning to find out 7-7 had happened and they'd blown the top off a bus. And... We were literally, we walked up, We'd every single one of us had missed phone calls and texts because obviously our Welsh family were like, oh my God, they're in London, they must be dead. Everybody had loads of texts except for our drummer who had absolutely nothing. Oh. And we were like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> this family literally don't care. And then um, and then I saw Andrew, I met Andrew then in the Kerrang Awards a couple of years later and I told him that story and I was like, I think it might be because of you that that happened because you were, you were really pushing it that night. He was like, it's never going to happen. We could be on Amber Alert. And I was like, might be your fault, Anne. But um, yeah. I mean, that's quite a big allegation there, I think. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying Andrew O'Neill is involved with terrorist organisations, but he's definitely involved with terrorist organisations. In that case, when I saw him filling out that form on the aeroplane, he was absolutely lying to the US government. <laughs> they don't catch anyone out with that, do they? Are you, are you involved in terrorism? <laughs> Who yeah. ticks that box? Yes. Oh, shit. Can I have another one? Can I have another one? I picked <laughs> the wrong one. I'll tell you what. Uh, so speaking of the garage hybrid, right, I once saw Paul Weller there and Bruce Foxon came out and played Start With Him. Now, I thought that that's a really interesting thing to happen, but I don't really know any context about those two individuals. And I wondered if anybody on this call might have some more information if that only. I could have about I'm, why that was an important I thing that could have happened. I really kept up with what was going on when they didn't, when they weren't together, to be honest with you. As soon as Paul, you're so young, you guys, as soon as Paul broke up the jam, I just thought, I don't want anything to do with you for a while. And I, I sort of didn't listen to him for about 15 years. Because when you're, what was I, 19, and your favourite band break up for no reason, you think, what? Why have you done that? What? And then you form the what? The style council, and you're wearing what? And it all didn't make any sense to me. Because I like, I like anger in my music right i like i've been listening to radiohead for the last three days and i'm fucking pissed off but um you just because that's what happens when you listen to them but um i like anger and when he when it when they broke up i don't think they even speak still and it's such a shame but i i guess when you're in a band and you're doing all the work <laughs> the uh, you can get a bit resentful can't you perhaps yeah. I, I i honestly i don't know much about their relationship to bridge the uh, to bridge the Welsh jam divide here, the reason that the Manic Street Preachers talked Richie Edwards into joining their band is because they didn't want to be a trio because they fucking hated the jam. <laughs> really, I used to, which is mad because I fucking hate the Manic Street Preachers. So... <laughs> and there's three of them now, and they didn't three stop. Of them now shit. Yeah, I think they've accepted wow. it now. Yeah, that sounds like them, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder.
to get Nicky Wire on here because he's really fun. He was on like the Adam Buxton podcast and he was so good on it. But why do you hate them, Sean? Is it because they achieved what the blackout didn't? Or oh, you bitch, <laughs> you fucking bitch. Um, oh, like that is it? Okay, okay. Um, no, from a uh, place of jealousy, because... or what's the? Um, no, not really. It came from the fact that they were another boring indie rock band. Um, when I was into metal and new metal, I suppose you know I would. This is going to really hurt Ian, and I think it's probably going to. If he had an opinion of me anyway, it's about to get lower. At the time, I was in love with Limp Biscuit, right? So to listen to the Manic Street Preachers and all that indie nonsense, right? Get away. Get out of here. I'm not having it. So then I didn't mind the stereophonics, but I think that's because it lived a bit closer to me. But, but <laughs> I, was, I was never into the Manic. I was in a band in the mid-90s that covered both Limp Biscuit's version of George Michael's Faith nice. and Designed for Life by the Manic Street Preachers. Oh, so, you know, you bridge, can bridge those divides. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Limp Very Biscuit. specific wedding band. <laughs> Limp, Limp Biscuit were always, whenever I used to scan through the music channels on Sky and you get to the Kerrang one, and it was, always, it was always Limp Biscuit or Blink, what are they what called? They do, Blink, yeah. One, yeah, one of the numbers. And uh, uh, it was one of them. And it, and it always yeah. seemed to be one of them. And it was, it was the same song done by different bands, as far as I could tell. But that's what makes yeah. the world go around, Sean, right? I don't right, yeah. New metal. New metal is a genre that peaked in the first 10 seconds of the first song on the first Corn album, and it was all downhill from you there. Mother that's not that's Mark. my issue. <laughs> wow, uh, this is this is this is turning into a bit of a bullying Sean episode, but I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'll right. take it. I'll take it. That um, first 10 seconds of the first song of the first Corn album is exceptional, it's really good. But then Jonathan Davis shouts, Are you ready? and it's like it's so good. It the entire well, genre he was just checking, he was that. just checking, Mark. Yeah, but I don't He's like just being polite, Mark. I, I don't like all that. I don't like all that. When they, I, I was at Glastonbury one year, and Dizzy Rascal, after every song, went, Make some noise, Glastonbury, honestly. And my son, who was only nine at the time, looked at me and went, He's the one with the microphone, maybe he should make some noise. <laughs> It's amazing. It's very sweet. I went, you're right, Alexander. Yes, yeah. I agree. Nice. He's got an entire sound system. We yeah. just You've not seen Dizzy Rascal until you've experienced him in a portaloo backstage while he's playing, which I did once at the Benicassim Festival in Spain. Experienced him? I don't understand. Oh, but oh I, yeah, this is going to be... The, go I want he, more information. Yes. In a portaloo as no, well. He was, he was, he was not on spacious. the stage. I, I, no. He was on the stage. Don't yeah. I I I mean I I would I would I would happily, but not was, in this occasion. Was that the, the only venue was, they offered him to play? <laughs> he was on. He was playing the main proper stage. I'd not been watching, but uh, I'd, I'd I was there doing stand up, and I'd and then I'd gone to see the Stone Roses. Who uh, my girlfriend had gone to watch Dizzy Rascal. She said because she said the Stone Roses was just guitar solos and a bloke shouting, which is true. But I enjoyed it nonetheless. Ooh. But then I went. I went I uh, couldn't get to the stage of Dizzy Rascal. Desperately, desperately needed a poo. All the toilets are horrible because it's a festival. And I was like, I'll nip backstage. No one's going to be busy. He's on. Went and sat in the plastic portaloo and then realised that the plastic that a plastic portaloo behind a stage where a major hip-hop artist is playing with thumping bass acts as a kind of work. resonator. That would work, yeah. I imagine. And it was, it was like having a shit inside the bass speaker. <laughs> probably shake it out to me. Probably shake it out to me. No, it does. It when, you, when you go to a club and you're standing by the speakers, 
It does make you think, oh, I'll just nip to the loo for a bit, doesn't it? Is that then, just me? I don't know. Maybe it's just a certain age thing. You've got Tessa the Durbervilles in your bag. You think you're already sat <laughs> down. I've never been to a club and had a read, I'll be honest with you. That's a bit weird. Somebody <laughs> banging on the on the toilet door. What are you doing in there? You're doing drugs. No, I'm halfway through chapter 14. In my yeah. mind, Dizzy Rascal was in the toilet with you, Mark, and you're not going to change it. <laughs> That's how I anticipated that story. It would have been a lot more fun if that was the case. But also, in a portaloo, no. No one, no, 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 no. No give one does another, that in a Give us another subject, Vix. Come on. <laughs> well, we was a, playing a game. It was unpopular opinions, but we've already covered quite a few. <laughs> oh, I've got so many. I've got so do many, you? though. Do you? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. He I'm seems there. like such a Pacific soul, doesn't he, Sean? I'm amazed. Well, give us an unpopular opinion, then. Come on, then. Four. How many do we need? Um, One to start with. Yeah. Let right. everyone else have a turn. Okay. Mark Watson owes the first five to ten years of his career and all of the money he made to the Welsh government, right? Or he should be hung outside of Cardiff Castle for all of us to watch. That's one of them. That's well, like, um, all of that lucrative Magnus pear cider money. Hundred percent yeah. pear. It's made from a hundred percent pear. So give me that cash. Yeah, did, I'm not having it. I'm he did do a it. Welsh accent for the first ten years. I, mean, I thought he was Welsh until yeah, oh, we, we all did. did. We all did. I was in the pub with him one time. We were sitting out, in fact, outside the pub on the same road as the comedy store, and he'd been chatting away in the Welsh accent like he does because I thought he was Welsh. And then this guy comes up, and then he starts talking to me. In uh, like he's from the West Country because he's from the West Country, right? Yeah. And I just thought, what? I was sat there thinking, why are you talking to me in not your accent? Like, really have weird. I had a stroke? Did he? Uh, it was a really weird moment, and I said to him, "What? I, I don't understand." But he says, "Oh no, I'm actually from the West Country." And then this guy came up and said, "Nice show earlier," and he turned to him and in a Welsh accent went, "Oh, thank you really? very much." And, yeah. then, uh, and then came back to me and started br- being Bristolian again, and I thought. I don't know what's going on here. So I have some sympathy with your unpopular opinion. Yeah. Um, I'm not yeah, sure I don't how mean you to work it out, but I, I don't I, mean to yeah, I don't mean to sound like a racist, but he is coming over here and stealing our jobs. And um I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Right. So uh that's that's one of my There's an invoice opinions. going to Mark Watson on behalf of the Welsh, the whole country of Wales. All right. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've gone further. I've written down Mark Watson does 24-hour charity streams due to the guilty feelings he has for ripping off the Welsh. There you go. I've written that down as well. Um, okay. So you've got, a, you've got a tight five minutes on this then. Is oh, <laughs> yeah. I could go. I could go on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, let somebody else go before I say something else that probably is unpopular. I find as I get older, I, I stop having unpopular opinions. I stop hating things. Like, I'm nearly 40 now, and I, somebody was like, oh, what music do you really hate? And I was like, I, actually, I can't think of anything. New metal. I, like, I see, I used to say I hated new metal, but I don't actually, some of those songs are quite good. Like, actually, there's 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 some, you know, I used to say I hated Linkin Park, and now you listen and think, actually, that's, yeah, that's all right. I used to say I hated Take That, and then you go back and listen to Take That. No, those records are great. And I've realised that all the stuff, all of the hate that used to fuel me, like, it just seems to have dissipated, particularly about art, particularly about music and films. I just can't, like, if people find joy in it, I've started going, yeah, all right, yeah, I know if you want to listen to the Saturdays, that sounds like, yeah, it's nice. Really. That is you spend a lot of time on Twitter, though, Mark, which might have dulled your edge 
Twitter stokes hate. Yeah. Twitter's made me the angry, hate-filled um, shithead that I'm becoming in this very moment. So, yeah, it's nice, to, it's nice to hear that somebody can get away from me, though. So that's nice, Mark. Congratulations. Something to look forward to, um, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe it just means I'm getting boring. I don't know. No, uh, no, no, no. But... It just means you're sort of... You, you, you've only got one life. You can't... I, I mean, I've, I don't follow Piers Morgan, right? I don't hate him. I just don't like to listen to him that much. So rather than follow him, I just dismiss him from my life. And that it's life's a lot easier then, I find. So I'm with you. Actually, you know what? I, I do fucking hate oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I, fair enough, but I, I, I haven't got too much time for that anymore. But you're right. You're right. I, do you know what? You know what? Actually, I, I find that I think the more interesting question is what do you find offensive? And the only thing I find offensive is shit comedy or shit music or shit art. That's oh, I'm off then. Bye. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Bye. you could have <laughs> just Bye. raised this before the show. You didn't have to tell us to our faces. <laughs> genuinely, I just find it offensive. But, you know, I, I don't care about all the other stuff, but people not making an effort, that really pisses me off. Is it is it the quality then that you, because obviously comedy and art is very subjective. So what is it that gets you go about? If somebody's, oh, well, this is going to sound sooty as fuck, but if somebody's true to themselves and their voice then I don't really give it. I mean... Are you talking I'm, about Mark Watson again? <laughs> no. Let's no, get him! Let's get him! No. Well, Mark no longer does the, the Welsh accent, actually. But no, I'm not talking about Mark Watson. It's quite funny, though, it's, when I think about it. I used to hate him with a passion. Quite even a nice though, juxtaposition even though, there. Even in. though we gig together quite a bit. Uh, no, I'm talking... I just, you know... you know, Yeah, I, I don't... I, I, anyway, the point is, I don't have unpopular opinions, particularly. I Which don't. comedians are shit? You can tell us. Which comedians are shit? Yeah, come on. I've only got about seven minutes. I couldn't possibly list them all. <laughs> there are so many. My God, there are so many. But we're not going down that road, are we? I, I'm, I'm really happy for anyone who gets laughs. Although there was a comedian who I won't name, um, who did steal a joke off another comedian. The joke was, uh, what's your girlfriend's name? Figment, right? Figma is quite a funny little joke. And uh, this comedian took the joke and went to this woman in the front row, what's your girlfriend's name? Pigment. <laughs> and everyone went, what? what the no. <laughs> that sort of shit that can stop it, can get in the bin or get in the sea or whatever you kids say nowadays. No, there's plenty of comedians. Oh, my God. Loads and loads. But, hey, uh, uh, it doesn't matter who they are. Okay. <laughs> Let me just call up my list of Facebook friends and I'll start reading out the ones. <laughs> I yeah, did, we all yeah. agree, though, don't, Mark, though, don't we? We all agree. The comics, if... I imagine the musicians are exactly the same. You know, everyone thinks that Radiohead are brilliant, right? Because they are. Even if you don't like the music. Really, Sean? Really? Don't like, really? Wow. I am starting, you're starting to piss me off now. Anyway. I don't know. Here, <laughs> you go. Yes. Here comes in a popular opinion. <laughs> You've not experienced Radiohead until you've listened to them on headphones walking around Primark. It really sharpens the experience. It turns it into this that's, dystopian... That sounds like literally two of the worst things I could ever imagine listening really? to Radiohead while walking around Primark. Really? God. Yeah, oh, well, just saying... listening to... I, I, like, I uh... like that we have different opinions, but I'm not sure they're unpopular. No. <laughs> no. Not really over there. I mean, I did... I did vote opposite to most of the to apparently most of the country in the last couple of public elections I voted in. So I guess I do have hey, a popular statistically. Yes. What? Wait, wait. So hang on a minute. What, so who did you? 
Well, most has Mark just well, I voted has Mark well, just come out as a Tory on you. I'm wondering. I've... No, no, because the Tories won, and I didn't vote for them. So by definition, I must have had an unpopular ah, opinion. Ah, I see what you did there. Because uh... that's lucky. The way democracy works. Um, like I, I keep voting for things, and they, and the thing I voted yeah, for doesn't yeah, yeah. win. So hey, hey, I'm 20 years have... on, and the same shit's still going on. All right, is all <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, but I imagine our opinions would probably accord with most people we follow on Twitter as well. Then, yeah. So mm. you know, yeah, because I've tried doing it the other way to try and get out, of your, get out of my bubble, and and you know, experience other people's point of views. And actually, off. it's yeah, just it horrible. That's yeah, yeah, triggering. I know. You think I'll follow this person for a while because it'll be good for me to have a balanced view. And then the first time you read a tweet, you go, what the fuck? That shit. That. And then you start banging. I don't I don't like it on social media, really. I mean, I'm on there, but I don't like it because people start saying to me, oh, well, you're Jewish. What do you think about Israel and Palestine? So I then write back going, what? 2,000 years of history, 140 <laughs> characters. I'm not sure you can get the nuance of the conflict, right? And this guy then comes back to me and goes, what? It's not conflict, it's genocide. And you think, fuck off. That's why I don't talk about this shit. <laughs> oh, see, I just had to just wait and the unpopular opinions just started coming out. You just, unpopular opinion. You bide your time, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, let's let's crack on. I reckon we, this is probably going to be the last one based on our um, hit rate. Oh, so. wow. Go on then. All right. And we're going to go with petty crime. <laughs> oh, what? Sean, you must have um, hands on this. You look like a criminal. <laughs> oh, nice. A little bit. you got a little um, bit of criminality. I love there. it when everyone makes friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't like Radiohead. You must be a criminal. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that. But yeah, uh, fair enough. Go with that oh, if you want to make yourself yeah, feel yeah, better. Yeah, the haircut. Um, um, <laughs> Are you? Is it you, Sean? I mean, I don't know who who likes this subject. By the way, have we all I done petty crime? Um, but I have. I've got a petty crime yeah. story. Go on, go. On, go. go on, Mark. You go first. Oh, okay. I was waiting for Sean's. He's he's choosing which <laughs> one. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about my yeah, criminal. Yeah. I'll tell you about my criminal record. Oh, yeah. all right. I I <laughs> I have a criminal record, right? Because in 2011, uh, I travelled between Elephant and Castle and King's Cross in first class with a standard class ticket, right? And, um, rebel. Absolute rebel. Oh, I'm, I'm committing crime all the time then. Jesus. <laughs> and this bloke, this little Weasley fucking bloke, actually said, can I see your ticket? I was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's the wrong ticket. Sorry about money. I'm getting off the next time. And it's like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. And he then, well, sir, I need to tell you that you have the right to remain silent, but anything you said. And I was like, what? What? And he wasn't a policeman. He was a fucking train guard. And then I went, had to go to court. I got a court summons. I had to wear a fucking suit and go to court in the middle of London. And like, and the court was full of people, all of which had been caught by the same bloke, the same little cunt who must have been on some sort of fucking like, must have been on on money for it. Because he's wasting valuable court time with. Because his job, his job is to walk around trains giving people fines for sitting in the for wrong things seat. Things not paid for. So why didn't you pay the fine? Because no. you, oh. he did. I did. He oh, had no. you. He oh, had you banged to rights, though. He did, and I paid the fine. I, I turned up at court. Makes I paid my heart the feel glad to know that happened. <laughs> I paid the fine. Every single <laughs> person seriously. in that courtroom has been caught by the same bloke. Good. And I now have a letter somewhere. That, a letter somewhere that says, uh, I, "Yeah, you you are being summoned to appear in court for the uh, 
in contrary to the Railways Act of 1850-whatever, uh, for a, in, in for the non-payment of a fee of £2.20. Yeah. Yeah, um, it almost makes, it, makes, it, makes you think that maybe you should have paid it and then you wouldn't have had this <sighs> shit. Do you know what I mean? I never got you for such a railway Nazi. I, I, it's not not being Nazi. He just, just likes justice. I just uh, feel that people should, if somebody's sat in first class and you haven't paid for first class, that seems a bit unfair to me. Uh, paid more money. The loophole is weekend upgrade, where you can pay like 20 quid to be in there and you're next to somebody who's paid 300. Oh. Don't give a shit about that. If somebody's paid the upgrade, that's fine. I know. I got, I got, nabbed. I got nabbed for not paying the fare once. Uh, this was years ago. So, you know. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> well, I've not done it again. I've go. not reoffended. So yeah. There you go. But this is one of those little rubbish trains that go for that shuttle between like Kings Cross and Bedford and Brighton and back. And the first class is literally just a tea towels draped over it the is, back of the seat. That That's the true. only difference. I've, I've got that train. <laughs> yeah. I've often sat there as well. Thamesley, it... yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise that was a crime. <laughs> no, I didn't think it was a crime. It's I thought you like, just got fined and that yeah. was it. I had to go. It wasn't just a fine. I, I, I yeah, I had to go to the magistrate's That's court. Uh, it was, it was a, an actual criminal <laughs> charge. Uh, Ian's love of um, Mark's sadness is next level. <laughs> He's thrilled. It. Ian is absolutely yeah. thrilled by that story. Okay. Just makes, I just, yeah, I think Wams is. I haven't got more conservative because I, I um, but I, I definitely. You know, people drop in litter, shit like that. I just... I hear that, yeah. That's a genuine social... That's a genuine, like, social horror, though, isn't it? That's actually going to, like, mess people's Stealing lives. Stealing a first-class seat. <laughs> <laughs> there was no one sat in it. It was three stops for an elephant and castle yeah. and King's Cross. Yeah, I see that. Tell it to the magistrate. You did. <laughs> I did! <laughs> And I told him that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've got, I'm waiting, for, I've got to do, waiting for my visa application. I've got to go and do some shows, and I'm, I'm really worried that this America is going to would like, yeah, because will America let you in with a criminal record? It turns out if you've not actually been arrested, uh, there is no way that your that um, that prosecution can be traced. <gasps> so you lied <laughs> on an Esther form as well. Uh oh. Have you been arrested? Sean? Have you ever been arrested? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, once when I was um, about 10, um, one of the, yeah, oh, here we go. One of the bigger boys, one of the bigger boys um, did me to go into the shop. Well, not did me, pretty much said, if we don't go in there and steal something, we're going to beat you up. It's kind of like, a, I, I guess. It's always I, someone else's seen fault with you, isn't it, Sean? American gang culture. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, always it is. someone else. It straight away. That's pretty good. But green. yeah, Philip, Philip Thomas, if you're listening, right, you're the right shithead and you've got me in a lot of trouble. So I went into the shop and I was like, fuck, what can I steal? What can I steal? I literally, and you're not going to believe this, I literally stole a pen top, the top off a pen, because he said anything, you've got to steal anything or we're going to beat you up. So I was like, all right, cool. I get a I came out, pen top. He took the pen top off me, walked straight in the shop and told the shopkeeper I'd just stolen it. And then a week later, I was at my house and um, yeah, my mother said, uh, oh, come downstairs. And I came downstairs and I saw a shadow in the room and I thought, oh, it's my, my older brother. It's like my half-brother or whatever. I haven't seen him for a while. And I came in and the shopkeeper had told the police. And the yeah. police had come to my house to give me, you know, I was like 10 they basically come to put the shits at me yeah. for stealing a pen for, for stealing a pen top. Incredible. I couldn't get over it. 
I see your mate. You're not mates with this this Richard Thomas, is it anymore? Philip Philip, Philip Thomas. Yeah, Philip There's no yeah. need for that. Yeah. What a bastard! Like, yeah. Yeah. That's so harsh. All right. I've got. I mean, this is well. I um. I was. I was sharing a flat. I was. I was a drug dealer for a while. Right. Well. Well, no, I was sharing a flat with two drug dealers and I used to sort of answer the door and show people in, right? I was like an usher, yeah. you know, front of house for a drug, drug concierge. Yeah. I said, come in <laughs> this way, sit down, we'll make your tea. Um, his mum turned up once. His mum turned place. up, right? The main dealer's mum turned up. Madeline, her name was. And I, and I sat in the kitchen with her while about seven people came along and bought drugs and left. And she goes to me, I tell you what, young people today, they don't even stop for a cup of tea, do they? They just, they've got no time for anyone, have they? I went, no, Madeline, bless her. Anyway, me and these two drug dealer fellas, we, we, um, we wanted to go down. There was a, there was an Indian guru called the Bhagwani Rajneesh in the sixties and seventies, the one that the Beatles hung out with. He had a place yeah. in Belsize Park and they used to talk about the fact that there was free love going on. So we're about 19, 20. So we thought, well, maybe we'll go down there and we'll see some shagging or get laid or something, right? It's ridiculous. Anyway, we went down there and um, my friend Ali nicked the stereo out of one of the studios, just wandered out with the stereo. So <laughs> me, I've just, I've been, I'm always about two feet behind going, yeah, go on. That'd be nice. I've, I've never really a criminal. Petty the, crime adjacent. Yes, uh, yes, that's the nearest <laughs> I've ever got. On one other time when I tried to do, I opened up a comedy club and I did a load of fly posting and these two coppers caught, I had a bucket of paste and some marigold gloves on. <laughs> and these two coppers caught me with my bucket and my marigolds. <laughs> I went, what are you doing? As I pinned a milestone comedy club. On a on a on a box I shouldn't like a telephone box or something, and they and they said give us and they took the gloves and the paste away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's the nearest I got really to a life of crime. Yeah, well, that was that's just close enough, I think. Thank after you. you know, we've got someone with a criminal record here who is the the, the sexiest yeah. criminal amongst us. Yeah, <laughs> I just realised Mark is like the is me going. Oh, you rebel! And he literally is the only one here with a with the a record records, for it. Yeah. So he wins. Yeah. Well done, Mark. Well yeah. done. Yeah. That is definitely a win for you. Uh, that I, I think makes me the uh, yeah the edgiest one. It's so edgy. Does. That's oh my a God. thing. That's a thing I fucking hate. Uh, edgy, edgy fucking comedians can fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm edgy. Oh yeah, yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that is oh, that too? Ugh. You know what I mean, though. Mark? That's an edgy opinion. Oh God, yeah. And then I, uh, yeah, and then yeah, I raped yeah, her. Yeah, that's like. Oh, it, you get less of it these days. Uh, you like, you don't. It's, still... it's just less of it gets off open mic because I did a hundred gigs in a year, so I have seen hundreds of these acts. They still exist. Oh. I once got told oh. off by someone outside because he did an ironic set about being like a murdering lady stalker, and I didn't laugh at it because I just didn't think it was very funny. It was like I don't care. You can do whatever set you want, but I was like, I'm not laughing at that because it's it's not funny to me and he came to me at the end and said that I hadn't understand it and, and it was ironic he was like no you don't understand it was irony I'm not that guy I was playing a character I was like yeah but I just don't find that character funny yeah so yeah. that's my feedback and then he got a woman who he was with to come and testify that he wasn't like that and it was a joke and I was like no I understand <laughs> I know he's not actually a story. Very good. Yeah. I understand. It's just shit. It's yeah. just shit. Well, that's the problem, you see. It's comedy in the wrong hands. 
That's the problem, right? You can talk about whatever. I did a joke. I did a joke. This was just after Madeleine McCann disappeared. And I was talking about how uh, her parents went to see the Pope. And I thought, well, if anyone knows about perverts abducting small children, it's the head of the Catholic Church. And I did this joke. And then uh, this is on stage at a gig. And then I told a story, this true story about the week after Madeleine had been taken. I went to the cup final with my mate, Simon. And five minutes before the cup final started, they made an announcement. Has anyone seen Madeleine McCann? And he leaned over to me and went, well, she's not here. He said, he said it was hard enough for us to get tickets. I told, and it's very, very funny, right? It is probably funny. And I told this story at the comedy store. And this woman, what was interesting was this woman looked up at me and she said, she, she really was angry with me. And I said, what? And she said, you're saying that stuff. You obviously don't have children. Uh, and I lost it. I went, I do have children. And what's more, I know where they fucking are. Right? I was just about then, to say that. I know, no, no. Which was, what was interesting was they did laugh, the audience, but they also didn't really want to go down that road of blaming the parents, right? Yeah. And then obviously I had to lighten it. I said, listen, they're in a chalet 50 yards away. The window's open, they'll be fine, right? And, oh God, and, you doubled down. <laughs> yeah, no, well, yeah, but I was looking for the laugh to get out you know what I mean because I didn't want it to be me slagging off the parents uh, there was a point to this story I can't remember what it was I, I it doesn't matter I just edgy that, comedians uh, edgy yeah so I don't have a problem with edgy material Frankie Boyle and he's brilliant he, he can say whatever but you know it's when shit comedians get hold of this stuff and and then I just go no 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 but put that pedophile joke down but they they justify it because they're like, oh no, people didn't like it because I'm edgy. It's like, no, it was badly written. Yeah, people yeah, didn't yeah. like it because it was shit. Yeah. You don't get yeah. to say that. Yeah, I. You can genuinely write jokes about anything. Uh, you really can if you're good enough to do it. And like, and I will forgive most things if they if they make me. If, occasionally, you get somebody who does something and, you go, and it is a bit close to the bone and it is a little bit unpleasant, but it elicits that laugh out of you that you couldn't quite stop yourself from doing. I and mean, in which case, you kind yeah, of like fair. You play. got me. That was. I mean, I mean, I don't agree, but that before was I filtered well it. <laughs> It, it <laughs> yeah. Right, we ha- we've run out of time actually because I know um, I know I, we could go on and on, but um, we have to go around and talk about what everybody's doing with their lives while I do the maths on the points that I've been racking up for you. So, Sean, what are you doing with your life? What on oh, me? Yeah, you say Sean. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I, I just thought sorry. you were thinking um, about what you were doing with your life. It was like not an existential question. It was very practical. Yeah. I was just about to start crying. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to start crying. Um, <laughs> what am I doing? Um, I do a podcast called Sapping Podcast with Sean Smith, uh, which is basically me talking to me and our co- my co-host Morgan talking to um, rock stars and people from the music business. Um, I've had um, we've had actors on, we've had WWE wrestlers on, yeah, we've had comedians on as well, um, and yeah, so yeah, doing that. I do a band called Raiders as well, which. Um, as we talked about in the beginning, is not as good as my old band, according to Vix. So, um, it's just, if I think I've, this, grown, I've grown up a little bit since. So there's like nostalgia associated with that that I can't. Yeah, I take have got more miserable, which is why you probably don't like the newer band stuff because it is more miserable and about me just hating myself constantly. So um, that might be why. So yeah, check that out. <laughs> it was very, they were very good live. They were one of the last gigs I, I saw. 
I think, before oh, yeah, lockdown. Oh, you saw us so. before the funeral for a friend. Yeah, and yeah. I ended that set with Fuck the Tories. Yes, you that did. That was good. Shepherd, yeah. Shepherd Bush Empire. Yeah. And um, um, that was one of Funeral for a Friend's last ever shows. I've been to three now, and now they're just bloody touring again. So I feel yeah. a little well, bit cheated. I, this, it's going to be the last. <laughs> I think this 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 next run is... Li- they're not like Slayer or Ozzy Osbourne, who literally will not stop touring. Um, funeral for a friend yeah I think it's going to be like the last two I know over the next year because they're doing download as well I think so well, I'm not um, crying yeah. I'm not crying through history again for him they're catfishing yeah. me I'm not having it what's post hardcore band from Bridge End what's post oh, yeah um, it's shouting um, mainly shouting with a bit of singing choruses good choruses with um, angsty I didn't get on with my dad type verses. Right. I can, um, a and a bit of texture. It's got a bit of texture right. in it. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> Ian, um, where can we find you? Tell us about your book. Oh, well, well, you can find me at home, to be honest. I haven't been out in a year. <laughs> just sitting here, just, you know, waiting for bin day to come around so I can just have something exciting happen in my life. Um, <laughs> I'm doing a bit of telly on BT Sport and I've written a book called To Be Someone. Uh, about the jam about well i bet it's an autobiography part autobiography part social history and part love letter to paul weller and the jam and paul weller um gave me a quote on the front cover i really like this book he said i'd forgotten how shit it was in the 70s uh which is he said that he phoned me up and said that to me no way yeah no he phoned me up he goes ian it's paul weller and i wanted to go i know i'd recognize that voice anywhere how did you get this number i went (laughs) I went, oh, hi, Paul. And he, and then that's the first thing he said to me. I really like this book. I'd forgotten how shit it was in the 70s. And we and I said, can I use that as a quote? And he went, yes, of course you can. He's been very nice about the whole thing. And Phil Jupiter's, um drew some really brilliant cartoons in the book as well. Um, just lovely artwork. And so, and and it's nice because Phil used to open for the Stoll Council when he was Porky the Poet about 100 years ago. So, so Wellers likes that about it. So it, it's a nice thing, and I'm I'm proud of it. And it talks about me and growing up in London in the 70s and what it was like. So um, that's what I've been doing. Amazing. What was it called? What was it's it called, called again? Be, it's called To Be Someone. Right, anyway, it is now. To Be Someone. Yep. And it's, um, you know, I think it's funny as well, hopefully. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know. You know no yeah. one here holds back, really. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna tweet you going. You're oh, fucking hell. It turns out the seventies did some shit. I <laughs> <laughs> was right. The seventies did sound awful. What are you doing with your life, Mark? Uh, so uh, I'm working on. I've got one book that came out last year, The Magic of Terry Pratchett, which is the first proper biography of Terry Pratchett. Uh, people seem to like it. You can find that on all the normal book places. Um, Vic's read a very early version I, of it for me, which I was very. I, pleased, it was so good pleased. as well. And my friend's a massive um, Terry Pratchett fan. And I texted her and I was like, "Oh, there's a book coming out. You're gonna love." And then it was even better when you finished it, as books genuinely are. <laughs> I hope so. So I'm I'm working on I'm actually writing two books simultaneously at the minute, which as it turns out is a stupid idea. Um, I'm doing one is uh, I'm writing I'm editing a book about the Manic Street Preachers. Sean's favourite uh, band. Can I give a forward? I'll give a forward. What a lot of Barlax, Sean Smith. It's it's actually it's actually just uh, I've got loads of loads of journalists I know have written or um, like interesting people have written an essay basically on every Manix album, so uh, that's coming out. That should be out this year. And the I other think. one's about your and life then, of crime, isn't it? Uh, first yeah, class exactly. Yeah, yeah. Taker. 
it's called, yeah, it's, it's it's called the Great Train Robbery. Um, but yeah, no, my the other one is I'm I'm writing a book uh, called The London Boys. The it's called The London Boys: The Teenage Dreams of David Bowie oh. and Mark Bowen, oh. and it's about the relationship between Bowie and Bolan and kind of what we can tell about the sixties and and sixties and seventies music based on how they, on how they operated and which one got famous first and who stayed famous. And so I'm working on that. That's, that's taking up most you of my brain talk space. To Steve Jameson who plays Sol Bernstein, the character, because he used to play with Mark Bolan. They were good friends. I knew that. And I was going to try and track him down. So if you yeah. could hook me up, yeah, yeah, be yeah. Really all the Jews know each other. It's all right. <laughs> it's true it's not untrue um, it isn't untrue we do it's like that with welsh people as well it's really annoying when people go oh my god you're welsh do you know and you're ready to be annoyed and you're like no actually i do know them i used yeah. to work with them yeah, well, right. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true that happened um right so ian you were the winner with 21 points which is actually quite a high score for this type of game <laughs> thank you <laughs> i didn't really feel like we were playing the game that much but i'm glad you know thank you Points are allocated by how much I enjoyed each of your stories, but it was very close. So, um, yeah, you are the worthy winner. You've won absolutely nothing, but you do get to, to go after this. You're free. <laughs> and um, thanks to everybody for listening to Comedy Arcade. There will be a new episode out next Thursday. Oh, nice. So we don't get to find out if I came last, which is unexpected to come last. Um, it was just Ian's one and that's it, isn't it? And that's it. Thanks for listening to the Comedy Arcade. There'll be a new episode next Thursday with new balls and new guests. If you liked it, like us any way you can and subscribe and tell all your friends. Also, tell us. We're in all the usual places on all the social media. And if you didn't like it, I've been Menkind, a fella from Bake Off and Mark Watson talking about feelings. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.